Welcome everyone to episode 65 of the Winging It podcast. I'm Ali, joined by Andrew and Alex. Before we get into anything, please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit that notification bell so you don't miss anything. Follow us on Instagram at wingin.it.pod. Hit us a follow, give us a follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. The birds are six and one after a dare I say, statement win on Sunday night football against the Miami Dolphins, the number one offense in the NFL up until last night. I'll throw it over to, actually, I'll throw it over to Andrew because Alex was at the game and I want to hear all about it. But Andrew, did the Birds make a statement win last night? 100% yes. No hesitation. Yes. After I looked at some of these numbers and looked at the numbers that Miami's been putting up this entire year and seeing what the Eagles, what Sean Desai, what this Eagles defense was able to do, I'm still riding a high off of it. I'm so impressed with the Eagles last night. I, I like going in, I felt like we were going to win, but I didn't expect it to be this comfortable. So I'm, I'm stoked. Alex, I, I, I met up with Alex a little bit. The tailgate was absurd i actually so much there, so much kelly green which was to be expected but alex like have you been seeing that at a lot of the games has it been majority of kelly green you know even though last night was the kelly green game but i'm curious how it compared no i mean not not at all i was shocked inside the stadium i'm telling you 95 percent of the fans had some kelly green on them right listen buying jerseys buying hats buying all this stuff can be expensive so um, the, the Eagles, they shelled out the money. The fans wanted this and the link, uh, the link delivered. I mean, there was Kelly green touches everywhere. The font on the scoreboard, uh, the intro music was all old school hip hop. Everything about this was a statement that, Hey, this is Kelly green. This is what we're doing. And I love that we have highlights that we can look back on and say, Oh yeah, we won that game too. Dude. Even the logo that NBC used, I was so just jacked up off of Everything where they use the old school logo from the field to the to the graphics on the screen. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. The tailgate was great. Um, uh, so my buddy Eric uh, came up from uh, Maryland to come hang out with us for a little bit. Uh, he's a videographer at Villanova and and decided just to kind of follow Andrew and I through the tailgate. So you'll if you're following us on Instagram, you'll start seeing some of the B-roll we took. Um, you know, we did some interviews, we had some really funny things happen. We had some people that have been on the podcast, ones that are going to be on the podcast, kind of shoot some promos for us. So it was, it was awesome. And I'm tired though. Uh, <laughs> we got to the stadium at about right, right about like three o'clock earliest I've ever been to a game, you know, was that five hours ahead of time. And then, um, I got home at about, uh, one o'clock in the morning. So it was, it was, it was a long day. It was a fun day. Um, voice is a little bit hoarse, but, um, man, it was, it was great. 
So uh, let's, I mean, let's let's talk about what the the sort of atmosphere and environment was during the game. I know you said in our group thread that you had like a, a weird thing happen in the stands, but overall, like, talk to us about that atmosphere in the in the middle of the game. Yeah, man, I, dude, it's just how it is in 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 Philadelphia. It just always feels like a playoff environment. I feel like this game in particular, just because of the jerseys. Because of the two and Jalen storyline, um, and the Phillies, you know, yeah, and the Phillies. Oh, dude, they showed Liam and uh, Liam's yeah. dad at the stadium. It <laughs> was great, Castellanos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Liam and Liam's <laughs> also dad. also known as Liam's dad. <laughs> and then they had, and then they were playing, um, um, dancing on my own, and the whole entire. I don't care what anyone says. That song is now an official banger. I do not care what anyone says. That song slaps. You hear everyone doing the O's in unison. Amazing. It was. It, it has was over a billion streams on Spotify. As it should. As it should. Callum. As it should. What his name? What's it? And Robin also. They, I mean, I feel bad for Robin because it was her song. And here this guy is just getting billions of plays because of Philadelphia. Yeah. It's like who who remade F- Fast Car? Like Tracy Chapman's the OG. <laughs> it ain't. What is it? Luke Combs or I, I don't know. <laughs> I may have. I was like, oh, the Luke Combs song. I'm like, no, that's Tracy Chapman's song. That is, that is, that is not. Well, you anyway, know. I also yeah. got to say, and I just want to give a shout out. The Miami Dolphins fan base is a okay in my book. These the, guys, these fans were not cocky. They were not belligerent. They're just happy because their team is finally good. They've been in a division that has been owned by Tom Brady. They've had so many unfortunate things happen to their fan base. They come in here. They are like the nicest people. I was waiting in line because Eric had to go to the bathroom. He was literally about to like blow up. And we got like free drinks and they're talking to us and they're giving us compliments. And there's actually a video. I shared it on our story of all of these Eagles and Dolphins fans dancing and doing salsa together. And like it, it was it was it was there was like no hostility in the air at all. Even the trash talk after the game, I went up to a group of fans. I was walking past the Porter Johns, and I say, "Hey, you're looking for um, Mike McDaniel's uh, presser? It's it's in there." They were laughing their butts off. There was like no trash talk. We were all laughing, high five, and like it was it was great. Miami, you have a lifelong home in Philadelphia. Whenever you come in, your fan base was great, and everybody echoed that sentiment. Maybe they were just so happy that the Bills lost to the Patriots. You know, they Dang. saw that their div- division rival take a fall. So they were just in good spirits. Who knows? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. Right. Let's, All right, well, uh, we had, yeah, we had a game. So why don't you kick us off with your uh, two up, two down, Andrew? Alex and Andrews, two up, two down. All right, let's get into it. First up, right off the bat. I got to go with number 11. Actually, I'm going to give you both of mine real quick. I'm going to go. My two ups are AJ Brown, and then my second up is going to be the defensive line. Um, And you could probably throw Sean Desai in there as well. AJ Brown, his fifth straight game of 125 or more yards. And this was after watching a first quarter where it was mainly Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard who were being targeted in the past game. So he really had a non-existent first quarter and then just absolutely balls out. He has 10 catches on 15 targets, got the touchdown, uh, got ruled down at the half yard line where he, so he could have had a second touchdown. Um, he's averaging 15.6 yards uh, per reception this season. I mean, the dude is a top, three receiver in football. I mean, I think a lot of people thought he was top 10, top 15. 
he's a superstar. So AJ Brown, it is just it's just so good to have you, my man. That hundred million dollars is so worth it. My second up, like I need to just touch on some of like just various members of the defensive line. The game started off with Hassan Reddick being shot out of a cannon, just hurrying mm-hmm. the quarterback left and right. I think he had two tackles for loss, maybe um, on Raheem Mostert or you know the, the running backs. Josh Sweat, Josh Perspiration, the Perspiration Celebration. Sweaty J. They start Sweaty. calling them at the stadium now. They start Sweaty saying Jay. sacks by Sweaty J. I love it. My favorite celebration in all sports. He had two sacks. Nolan Smith got his first career sack. Uh, Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis both had a half a sack each. And this is against a team where we were worried about Tua being somebody who gets rid of the ball really quickly. And we saw that a couple times. Even the touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. My man took like one or two steps back, put the ball up in the air, and it was on the money to Tyreek. It was a beautiful play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, hey, the Eagles are undefeated when Jalen Carter is on the field. So <laughs> this <laughs> defensive yeah. line yeah. just absolutely balled out. They were ferocious. They were getting after Tua. Uh, you know, we it, Miami had 244 yards of total offense. Their previous low was 389. So that was almost 150 yards less than their previous low on the season. On top of that, Miami's rush, uh, they were averaging 204 rush yards per game the last five weeks, and we held them to 45. I'm just over the moon about this defensive performance. So, Alex, passing it over to you to hear your ups. Actually, Ali, if there's anything you'd like to, uh, you know, any feedback you'd like to give me, I'm I'm all about feedback. Have you guys seen the tweet by Mike McDaniels after the game where he was complaining about the referees and the, the no it's a, calls? It's a parody account. I thought is it, it was a is real it? one. Too. Okay. It's a parody account. <laughs> I shared it this morning. I'm like, there's no way because we have a, in one of my friends, we have a Dolphins fan. He was complaining. I'm like, there's no way Mike McDaniels is in there complaining about the refs. And then I saw it to him. Like, oh, he is like, yeah, it's a parody account, dude. I'm like, oh. <laughs> got it. Got it. Well, in any case, I, I don't think it was, you know, the refs heavily favoring the Eagles because on that long play to Arthur Juan Brown Sr., uh, he there was a there was a pretty serious tug of his jersey. Like you saw it was kind of stretched out out of the back. Um, and still made the catch. And, and still, still made, the, made catch. the catch. And still made the catch. You know, I would argue that the most influential thing that's happened to this team is not the drafting of Jalen Hurts, but it's the trade of A.J. Brown to assist Jalen Hurts. Yep. I think his game has been elevated substantially because of A.J.'s presence. Similar to when I think about the McNabb-T.O. era. McNabb exactly. was always a, a good quarterback. He's a solid quarterback. He'll keep you in the game. He'll get you into the playoffs. But T.O. got us to the Super Bowl, and I feel the same exact way about A.J. Brown. Had a very uh, mild, just to chime in, when we signed Alshon Jeffrey, I had like a mild feeling of that. Like, I'm like, he's kind of a number one, but A.J. Brown is just leaps, you know, leaps beyond. Completely agree. Uh, the defensive line, I'm going to sit here and acknowledge when I have to eat some crow. I predicted that I would be surprised if we got more than two sacks this game. We doubled that and got four sacks. I was shocked at how efficient we were at getting after the quarterback. Sean Desai dialed up the blitzes whenever was the right moment, and we got after it. Tua was uncomfortable constantly every time he dropped back. The running game wasn't a factor because of the D-line, and because all of that was working, our secondary was able to keep up with with the entire uh, the receiving core of the Miami Dolphins. Honestly, I... I it, it was it was a flawless game in my mind by our defense. Offensively, they we gave up what ten points, 
and three of those points were off of a Jalen Hurts turnover. So, like, in actuality, we gave up seven points to the number one offense. I, Yeah, there's nothing bad to say about this defense. Statement. Yeah, Statement. and then and then just going on to A.J. Brown, he's the first and only wide receiver in Eagles history to have five games with over 125 receiving yards. Um, Consecutive abs- or just in a season? Uh, it says... Five straight games. So I assume five straight games. Yeah. I, so yeah, I, I actually consecutive. I actually think that ties an NFL record. I think that ties Calvin Johnson's NFL record. Wow. I think you're right. I wow. saw that last night. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. And if you listen to Nick Sirianni's presser afterwards, I mean, he was just so amped up. He's like, "This is the best hundred million dollars we ever spent." And just to think, a few years before this, he's catching ducks from Ryan Tannehill. Just just, <laughs> just what a. What an awesome story um, A.J. Brown has. And you know what? If he's going up and down the sidelines saying, I need more touches, then I'm with him on that. Earned it. Um, So, yeah. So, I do want to go into my ups. I do want to kind of echo the sentiment of the defense. But kind of like one part of it, which why I think it was so effective, is we took this explosive Miami offense. We made it totally one-dimensional. Once we took the runaway, we knew what was coming. And just like I predicted, Tyreek Hill is going to get his – um, but I think heading into the half, or was the drive right before the half, Mostert had negative running yards, rushing yards, and they really didn't actually get some momentum until the third quarter, but they were playing from behind, so they still had to start start passing. So we know that we can 100% neutralize the run, and it's the thing that Ali, like we were kind of concerned of, is Tua can get the ball out really quick. Tua was throwing off his back foot. He was throwing off kiltered. He looks scared. He doesn't have the same athletic ability that Jalen Hurts has. And it's wild because Tua is in some of the MVP, you know, contention races. He looked 100% civilian during that game. He just looked like a quarterback. He didn't look like the quarterback um, that that we're seeing here. And although the, the stat line says three sacks, it felt like so much more. He was pressured. He had hands in his face. He looked absolutely shook. There were a few times where he just fell down. QB draw or or an RPO that that he's like oh, I'm gonna and he just fell down behind the line for like well, a three yard loss. He can't take any hits to the head, so I think he just has to like automatically play it safe if if there's pressure coming. Yeah, four and sacks, four sacks, and then and then and then you look at just like how quick Tyree Kill is and. He looks fast on TV. Like, you ever see, like, a NASCAR race, and you, you see it on TV? It doesn't look like they're going that fast, and you're actually at a NASCAR race, and they're like, holy crap, I can't believe it. That's what Tyreek Hill looked like. It was every single time he caught the ball. Like I said, we don't hate the Miami Dolphins here in Philly. Like, that's a for Oh, my God, he's so freaking fast, dude. That's like what everyone was saying. <laughs> Who's faster, Tyreek Hill or Kyle Schwarber? <laughs> yeah, Kyle Schwarber, his bat swing, man. I don't know. I don't know if anyone can swing a bat as as fast as Kyle Schwarber, but um, <clears throat> and, and then you just think about some of the personnel. Eli Ricks breaking up a pass at the end of the game on Tyreek Hill. You got Sidney Brown back there. Like, just shout out to Sean Desai for taking these rookies, sticking it to them, and props to our defensive line for for assuming the pressure there. I can't yeah. believe that Tyreek finished. I'll, yeah, just real quick. I can't believe that Tyreek finished under 100 yards. Uh, four out of like his pre- two. Yeah, I mean, he had 11 yeah. receptions, but and I, I feel like most of his yardage came in the first half, but four out of the six previous weeks, he's gone for his luck. He had 157 or more yards in four out of six weeks this season, so we held him to about half of that. So just 
again, just more icing on the cake. Ali. Yeah. And then, well, I want to get into my second up um, because oh, yeah. I think we already talked a lot about the about the defense. Uh, this one, I actually want to talk about a specific stat and something that I really like to show the caliber of team that we are and something we didn't do against the Jets. Time of possession. We had 36 minutes time of possession to their 23. Just to put this in perspective, when Darius Slay, sorry, Slay, caught that pick, and I, I, I checked the highlights today, 11-20 left in the fourth, up by one single touchdown on a very explosive offense that the tides can turn at any given second. We got multiple third down conversions, multiple tush pushes. Gainwell scored that touchdown with 446 left, and now we're up by two touchdowns. That was that was that was the the dagger punch right there. That is what good teams do. And I remember last year when things weren't clicking for us. What did we do? We bled it out at the end of the game to say, "Hey, if we don't think our defense can carry us cuz the defense has done great up to to now, but you can only you can only play so good before, you know, they start exposing you and they start getting some big chunk plays. If we don't if if the other team doesn't get the ball, they can't score." So that was just something that felt amazing as they're going down the field. And mind you, that 446 was like during that deep bomb that hurts through to AJ in double coverage. And it was like perfectly placed. That was with a big play. And that just shows you how slow and bleeding out the clock was. We had Dolphins fans already walking out because they knew what their fate was going to be. Yeah, man, uh, that was one of the things that I was I was pleasantly surprised with, especially like after the first drive where... It seemed a little disjointed. We ran a red zone uh, handoff to Kenny Gainwell. Then it was like another, yeah, I, I think there was like a quarterback draw. There was just like, I was like, please, God, don't let this be a replica of last week's game. Mm-hmm. And it was clear that Brian Johnson, whatever he learned from last week, whatever he learned from that first drive, he was able to adjust accordingly and you're, you're spot on. Time of possession is exactly spot on. One thing I wanted to highlight uh, about our defensive line um, is that we are actually the number three team right now as far as total sacks on the season. The two teams that are in front of us are the Baltimore Ravens, who have 29 sacks, and they've had multiple games of three specifically of five plus sacks against their opponents. And the second team that's above us uh, has 25 sacks, so one more than we do. Um, is the Buffalo Bills. And remember, they had that nine-sack game against the Washington, Washington Commanders. Yep. So if we are consistently getting this level of pressure on quarterbacks, I think this defense is only going to get better throughout the year. Yeah, It definitely helped us when when there was mention of one of Miami's offensive linemen uh, you know, leaving the game. I'm just like, this this is one of the best possible things that can happen. You can't throw backup offensive linemen against our defensive front. It's just not going to end well. It's just not. Yeah. All right, so let's get into some of the downs. Um, I only actually have one down, um, and the other one's a little bit of an um, outlier than the, than the team itself. It has to do more with the environment. But my first down, it's going to be just some of these personnel. I, I just don't understand why Kenneth Gainwell is our third down back. I don't know why Derry um, – DeAndre Swift is jogging off the field when we're in the red zone. And then just the play calling down there. Like, this is really concerning. It's We have a better chance of scoring outside the red zone than inside the red zone, which is really bizarre. 
Um, I don't like it. I don't like the personnel. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why Jalen Carter Carter is getting pulled off the field on third downs in really big situations, and then they convert a third and eighteen. I don't know what is going on with the uh, with the uh, personnel, but um, yeah, not not a big fan. And then the second one is um, I'm debating between two. I'm debating between calling out the refs and saying, "Hey, like there's a whole." you know, ongoing thing about the refs and just saying, Hey, like that doesn't matter. But I do want to talk really quick about a fan altercation that I had in the stands here. (laughs) We have to do better Philadelphia. I'm in Kelly green. You're in Kelly green. We're repping the same colors. There's no ill will towards anything going on. You come to a game, you start getting really drunk in the stands and you start singling people out. It's a problem. It's a problem. Leave that for the Cowboys and 49ers fans. I had a person about five rows behind me for some reason, single me out, uh, was chirping at me the entire game. And I know better uh, from what happened with Joey. I'm sorry, Birdman. Um, keep my cool and let it go. I'm with a guy who's in like a Latino frat. <laughs> and he's like, you just say the word. I'm like, no, no, no. Like we're, we're going to chill. Th- th- this guy snuck down to the seat behind me and started like eating in my ear to like try to annoy me. I turn around, ask what his problem is. And he's just like, nothing. And then just continues to chirp the whole entire game. I'm not going to lie. It actually took a huge damper out of my night because like, I just felt like I couldn't fully enjoy the game because I have to constantly look over my shoulder to see if this guy's going to throw something at me or throw punches or like whatever. I didn't do anything. I wasn't more animated than it was. We have to do better as a fan base to, to lift each other up. I understand it's a long day. I understand things get to us. I'm certainly not coming at you. Enjoy the game. Leave that banter to the Cowboys fans. Uh, don't leave it to to people that are repping your same colors. He must be from a um, you know a, a different Philadelphia Eagles podcast that just isn't performing well. And to me, yeah. this was just all jealousy. <laughs> it could have been. I don't know. It's so stupid. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe he got mad we didn't invite him on. I don't know. But yeah, right. really really bizarre. <laughs> I've I've gone to plenty of games and I've never seen anything like that before. No, that's that's really unfortunate, Alex. Um, sorry you had to deal with that. Uh, no, I agree. I, I think offensive uh, personnel. You're you're not the only one who's confused. I, I we were half joking that Brian Johnson might be confused as well, uh, as far as like why his, his personnel is the way it is in those key moments. Um, but like I said, the thing that I was pleasantly surprised with is he was able to kind of turn it around towards the end of the game, right? Like how many times did we score in the red zone yesterday? A couple, right? At least a couple. Um, and, you know, play calling was was correct for those specific situations. And um, I, I don't necessarily like Kenny Gainwell going in there over DeAndre Swift, but he ended up scoring at the end of the game. So, and, that, and that balance was elite for him yeah. to stay up. That was awesome. That's like yeah. the second time or second or third time that we've seen him make a run like that, where he's able to just kind of keep a low center of gravity, maintain his balance and get a few extra yards mm-hmm. or in this case, get a touchdown. My only, uh, you know, my only thought about the red zone offense and like, you know, making some mention of success about it. Really, if it wasn't for the tush push, I don't think that we would have much success. So like one of our red zone touchdowns yesterday was because A.J. Brown was down at the half yard line and we were able to push the tush right in. So other than the Kenny Gainwell touchdown, I'm trying to think I'm like A.J. Brown split the defenders. I can't remember if that was a red zone touchdown, but I'm right on the same. I'm I'm, I'm right there with you guys. Like it's really confusing the personnel that is 
and uh, Ali, you mentioned it before. I, it was the first drive of the game where we settled for three points, and that is my first down. Uh, this felt like a game where you can't settle for three. You yeah. need to put up seven, or otherwise Miami is going to make you pay for that. And unfortunately, we finished with three after a very questionable, I think it was a second down run to Kenny Gainwell, and then the third down Jalen Hurts run. We didn't even try throwing the ball or second or third down when we're in the red zone. So it's like you bring in Julio Jones, not expecting him to have an impact, but you're you're bringing in these big bodies so that you have more targets to try to get the ball to in the end zone. So just that play calling was very questionable. And my second down is that the reality is I do feel like we were bailed out quite a bit in the first half. Mm. Uh, Tyreek Hill had the touchdown. It got called back. Then I think we failed to conf- uh, convert on a third down, and there was some penalty called against Miami's defense. So there was two or three times in the beginning of the game where Miami got in their own way and really allowed us to take advantage of an opportunity. So thank goodness we weren't the team that was the victim of a lot of penalties. You know, there was the the whole, kind of funny now looking back on it, but Jason Kelsey got called for uh, was a false start because he had his it was Offsides. his hand. Yeah. Or it's like ridiculous. So um, that was, you know, that was a terrible call. But um, yeah, I, I, we got bailed out a couple times. And then the, the last thing I'll make mention of is Hertz through his eighth interception of the season. He had six all of last year. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's got to get cleaned up. Hey, you know, we're six and one and our quarterback isn't playing as elite as he was last year, but it looks like he's on his way. I do know there is a little bit of injury concern, so I guess I'll, you know, pick your brains on both of that. I know there was maybe mention of him, his knee, or he's, you know, wearing knee brace. Do you, it looked like he was throwing the ball just fine. So I feel, you know, he's a gamer. He's a tough guy. I'm not too concerned about it, but, you know, Ali, I guess, what are your thoughts? Do you see this slowing him down or the team down at all? Yeah, I don't know if the injury is going to slow him down necessarily. I hope it's not too serious. He didn't seem to think it was too serious when he was being interviewed after the game yesterday. He said, you know, they're like, how's how's the knee feeling? And he was like, I'll be fine. Um, I am concerned about his play, though. Everything that I've seen so far this season shows me that he is not playing at the same level or same, um, what's the word, I guess, same level of aggressiveness as he was playing last year. Last year, and I get it, he got injured and it put him out for a couple of games, but the guy was playing to win and he was giving people opportunities to make plays. And so far, everything that I've seen this season is running out of bounds, sliding before he gets touched. There was a play last night where he was running for, I don't know, 12, 13 yards And he could have gotten maybe five, six more yards, but then chose to slide because he had already gotten the first down. It just doesn't seem like he's the same person that he was last year. And to your point, Andrew, eight interceptions. I think that's, I think that's leading the NFL right now. Like I'm not happy about these turnovers because every time you turn the ball over, you're doing a disservice to your team. I think the EPA on a quarterback throwing a turnover is like 1.7 or 1.8 points, right? So um, it, it's you're hurting your team every time you turn the ball over, and he's already done it ten times if we count those fumbles. All right, right. Let, let, let me let me play the other side of the coin here. Um, I'm okay if Jalen Hurts goes down to avoid the hit when your top wide receiver is getting 15 yards per attempt. Um, I'm totally okay with him not taking any hits because we do need him in there, and I'm very concerned about what happens if Marcus Mariota 
is is under center. And let's also not forget, like, you know, this tush push thing is is definitely exerting a lot of physical strength. So we need him. The difference between Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields is Justin Fields needs to get every single yard he possibly can to make sure that his uh, team is 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 in a position to win. The Philadelphia Eagles, when you think about it, they don't actually have first and 10. They have first and nine every single drive. So when you talk about the play calling, Andrew, and what that looks like, we have nine yards to work with. We don't have 10. And one yard's a pretty big difference. It's exactly what Merrill Reese said today. He's never seen anything like it. He's never seen something where it's okay if they're a yard short of the third down marker. Like, let's just get the play and not fight for that extra yard because we know that QB1 is going to go up and, and get it done. So, And then you look at the interceptions. Albeit, uh, Hertz definitely had some really bad throws. Some of the ones were like really behind receivers. The screen pass that got deflected into yeah. a crazy bounce and fell over. I, I mean, yeah, it's a. I'll have to it, look and see. Like, I, I'm, I'm curious how many of the interceptions have come off of deflections because those are, you know, it's not so much about accuracy, but at the same time, Hertz is a smaller quarterback. Most quarterbacks are six four, six five. You know, the the successful smaller quarterbacks we've seen in the past. You got your Drew Brees. You got your, I'll say it, Russell Wilson, maybe for a little bit. So Hertz has really got to be a little bit better about not getting his passes deflected because it does seem like it's been a little bit common this year guys he's got eight interceptions which makes him tied with jimmy garoppolo and jimmy garoppolo was out for two games (laughs) yeah no like like i like i said that's that's it it is definitely an area for for concern um you know that fumble looked very wentz like too it did it really did it really it really did but the thing is is wentz wouldn't be able to step up to the occasion in the big moment and and jalen did enough to to get it done and you know we give the we give the Dolphins two Christmas presents, and they they didn't they didn't get anything really done with it. So it's concerning, but I would be much more uh, worried if we weren't six and one and that was happening than we are six and one and our quarterback has a lot of turnovers. It, it is what it is. Before we wrap up, I uh, we saw the Detroit Lions suffer a wow. really wow. They, they they got punished yesterday. And I think going into this week, a lot of us might have started to think that the Lions might actually be the best team in the NFC. So I don't know if they got exposed, if it was just an off week. It might be one of those games where it's just like we don't even look at the tape. We just move on. But after seeing them lose to Baltimore, which is just in my mind, they're mediocre. Um, and we got the 49ers tonight going against the Vikings. Uh, I would love this. You know, it, there's a chance that the Eagles are the lone remaining one loss team in the NFC after tonight. So um yeah, at this point, guys, are the Eagles the hands-down number one team in the NFC? It's difficult to answer that question. The Miami Dolphins were the number one offense, but then you look at the record of their opponents. Last night was 5-24 and 24 before they played the Eagles. So, yeah. like, it's, it's difficult to look at it with that kind of sample size. In my mind, I still think the more balanced team, the most balanced team in the NFC or in the NFL right now, unfortunately, is the San Francisco 49ers. They had a bad game against Cleveland, but they're the most complete team in my mind um, right now at this moment. Yeah, and these teams just play at such a high level. It's impossible to say this team is one, two, and three. I'm better than your team. It just it just doesn't happen. Like somehow the Pittsburgh Steelers are four and two. They're garbage. <laughs> they're absolute garbage, dude. You know what I mean? But you know the record may not show that. They're only 
you know, they only have one more loss than, than, than we have. So um, it is what it is. I think it's, it's totally okay. I do agree though. I think the, the 49ers are probably the best team in the NFL. If I, if I did have to say that, but I'll be honest with you guys, we've been talking about this gauntlet of a schedule coming up all season. Yesterday was the litmus test. I'm not worried about any of these teams. We can beat everyone. We, we can beat the commanders. We can beat the, we can beat the Cowboys. I know we can beat the Cowboys. We can beat the Niners. The Chiefs are going to be tough, right? There's a lot yep. of riding on that. The Bills look the Bills look awful. So I'm not Chiefs worried about Chiefs and Niners are yeah, the Chiefs and the 49ers are really going to be the, the the two biggest tests coming up. So that'll be fun. Yeah, I agree. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks so much for winging it with us today. Um make sure you tune in on Thursday. We have an extra special guest. We just got to work out some logistics on on when we can record. Um, but uh yeah, thanks for thanks for tuning in. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. And uh, we'll see you in a few days. Go birds, go fills.